Hey, this is going to be, I'm very thrilled to be on Carnival of Randomness. I guess I'm thrilled these days to be anywhere. And we have our long-suffering Zoomist, Patrick. Hello. And we're very thrilled we have, as always, in his limousine, styling and profiling, we have uh, Chaz. Howdy, folks. And somewhere our guest just went somewhere. Oh. There he is. We're very, very oh, thrilled. They have my good friend, my roommate who survived those years with me, my Catwoman fetish. Uh, Bob is back with us. Hey there. Hey, everybody. Hey, Chaz. Hey, Pat. Amelia. Great to see everybody. <laughs> You're my favorite guest already. I well, love except you for too, Frank Bob. Ashcroft, he brought a uh, coffee that like trumps it. And my other friend did art for her book with Trump's that. But you're number three. Right. Three's good. Okay. I was actually have to admit, first thing, nobody else will get this but you. All I'm thinking about with the Russian stuff is I'm having weird flashbacks to John Harmon's class. Uh, Rob, I, I, I have too much uh, compromisezat about you that I, I can't really get into that. It, it would all come out, so... Uh, yeah, we'll okay, just, thanks. We'll let that comment go. And we we'll won't wait talk afterwards. About it. We'll wait after. But one of the things I want to just get off the bat is you have been already very creative this year, and you had something new you did in January, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, this is my little. This is a little paid promotional spam announcement. Um, I I'm lucky. I'm I'm old. I have herpes. I um, I I've, I I just put out music uh, like other people I know. Um, there's not really an audience for it, um, but I, I just, it's, it's really, it's just therapy. It's, um, I, I work with a lot of good musicians uh, locally and, and, you know, through the magic of file sharing. And I, I just put out a record called NCUP, basically because I got in a fight on Discogs, the Discogs site. By uh, NCUP is a traditional Japanese form of music. It's like country and western. It's where they put all their coulda, woulda, shoulda feelings on it. And just as a joke, I tagged one of my records as being in the Anka genre. And, uh, you know, the Japanese are, are intense record collectors. And I had a, a fan, I, I believe is Japanese, tell me that, no, you can't make Anka. You're, you're an American. And I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> so I, I came up with a record called Anka just to piss this guy off. Uh, it's not traditional Japanese um, country and Western. It's just basically I, I lived in Yokohama for I think three years, um, just trying to escape Rob and, and John Harmon's influence. But um, I was just kind of like <laughs> reflecting on, uh, you know, it's, it, it's kind of like Gringo Gaijin kind of reflections on, 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 on being in Japan. And, um, you know, friend, people, I pay people pretty well. So I, it's, you, you don't even have to like my stuff. Uh, you can listen to the other musicians on the record, but um, yeah, it's on streaming. Um, my name is Bob Gawkey, and the record is called Enka, E-N-K-A. Give I'm it a sure listen. sure we do that at the end, too. And actually, if somehow we can, we could probably play something if Pat can do it, like we get something later afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. If we can, if we can, I don't want to like... Send me a track or something, I'll just throw it on the end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, spam over, spam over, spam, spam done, but... Okay, um, now, for the Japanese thing, too, what... What, what is really different? Like, what were your impressions of the culture there? Different from here, so on and so forth. It's you know, it, it's kind of interesting. It's pretty, it's pretty cultish, uh, if I could say. I mean, they said if you want to know what it's like to be black in the American South in the nineteen fifties, be a white man in Japan. I never had yellow fever per se, although I did develop a bad case of it when I was there. But um, you know, essentially, you know, it's a pretty. Um, it is, as someone once remarked, and I might get some hate spam for this, if, if you thought the war ended in 1945, you've never seen a girls' volleyball practice. You know, it's a pretty <laughs> militaristic culture. They're pretty, 
you know, um, my students felt that they were all telepathic because the social expectation in Japan is so narrow. Everybody knows where to put their their chopsticks, you know, it, that um, it's really strange. And, and they don't they don't like to speak. Uh, they 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 borrow the word from English for com uh, communication. So they say communication, Suru. You know, do you want to talk? I mean, you know, it's so, you know, a loquacious jerk like myself, you go there and uh, they, they put you, they bring you in the classroom kind of like a, a talking stock. You know, it's like, look at the white guy talk. All right. Now learn English and shut the fuck up. Man. You know, that, that was basically it. Uh, so I went to Japan just to figure out if I wanted to teach. And then since then, I've been uh, teaching public school in, in New York City, in the Bronx. Uh, so, yeah, that's. Did I answer your question? Probably not. You don't have to. You can do whatever, say whatever you want. <laughs> hey, so, no there was a question. I got a question for Bob. I got a question for Bob. Hey, so yeah. you're living in uh, some of the press, like the New York Post and some of these, uh, I don't know, obnoxious journalists are trying to talk about New, New York has gone back, dialed itself back to like a crime wave new york with like and they anytime something bad happens they, they throw it up on a thing like somebody just got some feces thrown at them today or something well, what do you think's going on there uh, yeah you think i don't that's know just hype or what you're yeah, there I, so you could tell us what's the view from yeah. somebody who actually lives there i don't think it's as bad as rochester i think rochester surpassed <laughs> new york is the murder capital of, of the east coast didn't it and the homicide rate in you rochester know what's bad actually Believe it or not, Niagara Falls is bad, and I know that because I've done work out there, and I guess they said... It's like, rough. Niagara Falls is rough. As you over a yeah. barrel. Really? Niagara Falls? Niagara like, Falls, like, New York. When a lot of people think of Niagara Falls, they think of Canada, because that's where all the nice stuff is. Yeah, that's... You, you, the, the U.S. side has, has a better view, but... It, everything it's very like it's always been a really really poor town well you know, you know we can talk about rochester in the same breath didn't wasn't there a ferry between toronto and rochester that they stopped at a certain point this well yeah because because yeah. it never happened it, it, it happened because people lots of people went from toronto to rochester the problem was nobody went from toronto from you know, we went from Rochester to Toronto, but nobody came from Toronto to Rochester. So, no, it happened. Yes, it was a real thing. I, I it knew a lot of people there. went on it. Didn't last long. Didn't no, well, no, not even like it lasted two Toronto, months. Like right, went to a comic con in Toronto. So, a couple of my friends, we drove. They took the ferry. We had to wait for them for almost two hours. And it wasn't yeah. really the right. It was more unloading and loading was the problem. That was the big problem. Didn't Gordon Lightfoot have a huge hit about the, the ferry? I, I don't remember. But <laughs> in a more direct answer to your question, Chaz, it's, I, I think it's safer than yeah. Rochester. I, I'm like, I'm in a place, I'm the only white person there. So there's, I'm the only gentrification that's going on here. So they think I'm like police or undercover. I'm Russian, which probably isn't the best thing to be at the moment. But, um, but no, I mean, I, I live peacefully in my crayon colored uh, co-op. Come and visit. All right. Well, my, um, you're, you're the only one, I, a couple people I know still, but my, uh, my daughter lived in Queens and I, the couple times I visited her, I would drive in and I'm an old man now. So I would uh, be like, ee, ah, these like truck trucks and all the big, the noise and the energy and yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. yeah. High energy place. So 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you you know, uh, Chaz is legendary. You were in Lotus STP, weren't you? That was one of your bands. Uh, uh, yes. Oh yeah, yeah. I've been, I was actually at the reunion show at Richmond's years and years wow. ago. Wow. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, Stan tried to get me to dance with Chaz on one thing, but I didn't do it. <laughs> it's great that you say I'll take the flattering compliment, and yes, and people will say, Chaz, remember that crazy time when you did X, Y, and Z? That was hilarious, and I. I yeah. I don't remember. Well, I, just <laughs> died. I go, yeah. Yeah. Are, are you still Are you still making music? Uh, you know, it's really petered out. But I have um, a, a room full of guitars, and um, I play air guitar, and I, I riff a little bit. But I'm not really recording or playing with anybody. Yeah. So they they, they try. I'm sure they 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 call your name at times, and you just you know you don't. You yeah. Don't I mean. Um. Well, you're an inspiration because uh, I still, you know, I could probably put together a good vanity tape. Uh, you know, it's not, it comes easy, but it's just, I haven't been doing it. And yeah. as far as gigging, gigging out and coming home at 4 a.m. smelling like cigarettes or whatever, uh, yeah. I don't know if those days are behind me. I think probably. Well, think we, we got all of us. We got a guy in Portland uh, onto this idea of Rochester Music. Did Steve Limpincott ever contact you, oh. Chad? Absolutely. Absolutely. You guys should have yes, him on the show. I visited oh, Portland. When I visited Portland, um, I went out to visit um uh and Steve treated me like a king and he took me around to like a fancy um place to eat brunch and stuff. It was almost like um like being gay for a day. And neither of us are gay, but you know what I mean. Yeah, it was nice. No. It was like bro bromance stuff. Yeah, I, I think I think Eric nice. Eric and, and Jim befriended this guy, this real music head in Portland. He just kind of fixated on Rochester. He got into the whole lore. So it would be kind of interesting. I'll, I'll connect you with him, guys, if you want to talk to somebody. Sure. I'm all like, like, you're Rochester. part of Blue, You're like in the movie Freaks. You're one of us now, if you like it or not. So yeah, yeah. we um, accept you. No, right. yeah. No, Steve, Steve's a really good guy. And he's also an expert on uh, Australian punk music, too. Yeah, because he's from I Australia. Want to ask? I never asked my there. friend Caitlin, and I talked to her a lot. We've had her on the show, but she lives in Portland now, and I keep forgetting to ask her her opinion because you've said to me a lot. It's like Rochester squared. It's basically no, the same it's thing. it's it's Earth Two Rochester. It, it, it's like the Gene Roddenberry <laughs> version of Rochester. Um, it, they even have like a Xerox Tower look like building. Uh, but then something happened where Portland has doubled in size. It's now bigger than Seattle, while Rochester. Is is it blooming or dying? I, I don't know. Uh, it you know it's it's. I love talking about Rochester. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love this perspective about it too, and everything. It's like this is like one of those cities that has. I think somebody we need an author just to write stories about the city. You know, like a Lake Wobegon or something. <laughs> it could fall to you guys. You know. Yeah, you'll see those clickbait lists pop up as well. We'll say like Rochester's one of the best places to live. Rochester's one of the worst places to live. Uh, you know, it all depends on your perspective oh. and where you live. Yeah, the so honest view on that is you find your place wherever you live and you like. That's great. Somebody else might hate it. Somebody else might not. You know, somebody might like the big city. Somebody like might like rural. There are people who like like Mississippi, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was I was in a prisoner exchange with Savvy Kulkarni. Who came from the Bronx and, and now lives in Rochester, and you know I, I went in the other direction. Have you guys had him on the show? No, you got to give me yeah. a list of some people. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you guys know Savvy, right? He he writes for I think 
the, the Democratic Chronicles that's still around. He's, he's a music rock writer and, and he loves Rochester. And, you know. well, one of the There's things, only so one music writer. I have been caught in the prison exchange to go to Brooklyn or anything yet. We're still holding out. But if they call our names, we'll see you down there. Yeah. And everything else. One thing, talking about Japanese music, we have one connection on the podcast. We've had Leo on here. She's a people player. She actually, oops, I botched that one up because she's Chinese. <laughs> Rob. Yeah, Rob. whoops. <laughs> Where'd right. it go? But if you heard people, but it just flashed. It's like, okay, this is someone you've had with that had, like different music. It yeah, no, no politics I, to do with it. It's just I was thinking of the rare person we had who played like, like world music on. Yeah. Well, well, hit me to it. I'd be happy. I'd be happy to hear it. Um, how are you guys? Uh, how is everyone managing there with World War Three? What's what's going on? in uh, holy shit! Central? Oh boy, do we really want? Do we want to get into this? Um, <laughs> no, not really. I mean, I, I, I think we're. I, I have purpose safe to say we're all of similar opinion on the subject. Uh, I think the, the whole all the world is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Except for so, one. Uh, except for one person. Who, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, too, if you count his little buddy, uh, his little orange buddy here. But, um, you know, people that matter. Yeah. Um, I, I just read that uh, that that uh, Putin is sending out uh, mercenaries from Africa to try to uh, kill off the uh, leadership in, uh, what, how do you say it, Kharkiv or whatever? Oh. It's, so the, the world has become a James Patterson novel overnight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just saw. I just saw a very brief thing about Switzerland ending its neutrality over this. No, they froze their bank accounts. They froze the Russian bank accounts. Yeah. There. Oh, that's yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, they did. Oh, that's I thought all they, they did. just uh, they also banned Taylor Swift music from the Russians. They shut down the the Swift. <laughs> that might do. That might. Do Who knows? That might do the trick. That's People it, really like her. That's it. The company's gonna fall. Right? I don't know. People really like her. Look, you know. Uh, all kinds of wacky things, you know, the whole story about how Al-Qaeda Al wanted to kidnap Russell Crowe uh, because, you know, that, that would really uh, uh, cripple the American, uh, 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 like, you know, to really just uh, destroy morality because he's an Australian right. actor. Hey, uh, I, wonder if, he was, uh, Sean, I wonder if Sean Penn got out safely, that, that uh, jackass, because he was over there a week ago. Well, uh, you know... He 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 has the best of intentions, but he is also just a has an ego as big as the great outdoors. Um, okay. so actually, yeah, utterly humorless. Be lighter. How did you actually start getting into all the world music and everything? Because as long as I've known you, you're always playing it. And what I like how you do things. You always veer to these different things. It's like that creative, artistic, wandering spirit where you just go try to do all these different things that oh, are all come out. Wow. Well, thanks, Rob. That's that's very kind of you to say. Uh, I, I don't know why. It's probably to me. I'm probably my mother because my mother was Iranian. Um, that to me, my music was always some kind of cultural ex exploration thing, you know. And and when you're mixed, when you're like a mixed heritage, you're always looking for the third country where you belong. I thought I was French when I met you, you know, 30 years ago, and. You know, and then like maybe I'm Brazilian. You know, well, I know and, you used to play a lot of French music. That's why I got into French music and everything. Plus, I like I would say, and again, everybody has their opinion, but in terms of like foreign film, France has to be up there, except for the Jerry yeah. Lewis thing. Well, you know, I, I you know, I mean, some people think of like France as one of the centers of of Western culture, but I probably because of my mom, you, you 
you're kind of like at home with this idea that there is something out there that you don't really understand. Because I never, I never learned Farsi. I, I only went to Iran uh, when I was like very young and, and stuff. So there's always this idea that there could be something outside of Rochester, but probably not. No, so, no, no. I would say no. no. There's nothing outside of Rochester. Nah. We just imagine. This is the only. We, we're imagining the rest of the world. We're like in a snow globe here, and this is the world. I, I know, I know. I, I, I constantly. I'm sure Chaz, you ever have dreams of Rochester? It's, it's pretty big in my imagination. Um, well, I'm still tight with uh, Rob and my friend Stan. You know, Stan the man, and of course, he, he wants me to move back, but I don't know. Um, I miss garbage plates. Uh, uh, I miss, I miss, I miss the. I mean, there is a person, a Rochester personality. It's quite nice. Though. A lot of people are just. Uh, it's different from Southern nice, but it's very nice. But, uh, um, and I don't know, I don't bash it too hard, but I don't think, um, I think, I don't know where I'd end up right now. I'm in Boston now and it's all crusty snow and it's, it's 17 degrees and this sucks too. Uh, maybe I want to go down South or something. I, I don't know. So, but, uh, yeah, don't know. This question I want to ask like actually Bob, Pat, Chaz, everybody, but me, I've been really thinking about the idea of performing in art and so on. Is there a big, is it important when you're performing to connect to the audience? You just hope there's people there that'll get it and do it for yourself because you have just an urge to create, or do you really need that feedback? Probably for you more, Pat, because you do more stage. I mean, Bob, you have done theater and stuff. I know you did plays. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, I, I, I think that, that level of performing arts obviously is, you know, connecting with the audience is a, is a big part of it. You want to make sure that your, whatever your role is, you're conveying, you know, what, you know, something to the audience that they can, you know, that they can do something with either laugh or think or, you know, whatever. So, yeah. Well, Rob, do you want to be a, you want to, did you say, I hear you say you wanted to uh, maybe gig out or something like that as a musician? Oh, no, I'm more like a behind-the-scenes person. I'm actually starting now, and I can say it now. Some of my friends have taken over, like, booking at the Riviera Theater in Geneseo, and I've been – actually, if you're in town, Bob, you know, I'll put you down for that. Sure. Yeah, no, what's right. going on with that? Uh, oh, right that? now, that... We, just, uh, we just opened, and they just opened in May. We're still trying to get out the ticket idea you know, set up everything else. We're trying to like, you know, bring bands in and everything, but it's really good because I can treat the musicians right. And we can expose people to a whole different thing. And Pat, you'll be surprised. Andy somehow got a gig there the first month. Well, there's a shock. <laughs> uh, he, do we have some kind of in at the venue? No, I was stunned, but it was like the first person who got in, but it's just something. They'll just let anybody in there. It takes me for another level in terms of like what I've been trying to do, like with the podcast, what I've always tried to do in terms of promoting like local music and arts. And I always like, I always, you know, one of my sayings is always, okay, you know what you know, try what you don't know. You might like, and yeah. I always like, like, obviously like our friend Mario, some of the plays they do where it's not the stuff you would expect. It's something different. You know, some maybe like, I think it was an Ilyescu play and I'm going to pronounce it wrong. He's done those. He's done all kinds of different things. And I think it's trying to like, there's so much stuff out there that people aren't exposed to. And if you just open your mind and try it, if you don't like it, you don't like it. Yeah, I think um, we, you know, probably the timeline of the uh, uh, Russian version of, of Romeo and Juliet we did. Um, it's probably good that we did that a few years back and not 
that was, was going on now. I always, was it Rosana and Jeanette? I always pronounced it wrong. Oh, is it Ruslana and Yelena? Thank you. I always I always pronounce the one Jello. Yeah, well, you know. You know, I Rob, probably, I, I, I I think that's really admirable, and um, I you know why not do it? I mean, I, you know, maybe it's something about mortality. I, I don't have kids. You know, and, and so you just kind of want to mark your time on the earth. You know, maybe we're like worker bees in a way. You know, I mean, you know, I take care of these motherfucking kids all day long. So I, I go <laughs> yeah. home. I you do my art. You know, but, you know, maybe it's just to mark our time here on earth. You know, maybe it's narcissism. I, I don't know. My parents always gave me too much encouragement as a kid. And I, I kind of get that. I mean, teaching is very performative. Um, and I, I kind of got over my fear a while back. I don't know why. You know, I but think if I you're not afraid of failing, everything's possible if you don't care about yeah. failing. And I yeah. think, too, both of us, we grew up on the 66 Batman show, so that's why we were morally upstanding people. <laughs> so, hey, Bob, what kind of kids do you teach? Like, uh, like is it a, a, a city public school or what's, yeah. what's, what is it? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of paying my comfortable upper middle class 70s Penfield lifestyle back. I, I work in the Tremont neighborhood in the Bronx. It's it's probably the poorest um, neighborhood in urban America. My kids um, are seventh grade. No one wants to teach those motherfuckers. Part of my mm. French, uh, you know, they're so they have like autism. They have like ADHD out the ass. And I'm just basically like foster dad until two o'clock. And um I'm ostensibly uh, ESL, or it's called ENL now. They're always rebranding it to sell new textbooks. Uh, but New York State says if you speak the language other than English at home, you get extra classes until you're speaking at a native level. But the catch is if you're in a poor community, maybe your parents don't read either. So there are kids who are perfectly acclimated, acculturated to New York, um, you know, but they don't fucking read, you know. So what do I do? I, I buy them Batman 66 comics. I try to get them hooked up on a, a Julie Nomar fetish. You know, I, I try to do my part, Rob. Uh, but, you know, it's just weird, you know, because if if you can't read, there's this whole theory about that. You know, it's like this Nietzschean will to power thing. You're going to be playing video games. Why the fuck would you want to read a book if, if you can, like, kill hundreds of zombies, you know? So, you so know, it's a very... We get that because we come from our own perspectives and we all, like, read a lot of books and read and we don't think about, like, how people how that would affect you if you can't. Well, you look at the stats, very few Americans read a, read a book. It's very sad. Yeah. yeah isn't it Every like 6% th- of the population reads like 90% of the books or something? You know, I, I'm going to shut up in a second, but Rob, it's like my students always ask me, mister, are you gay? And it's like, I should just say, yeah, yeah I am gay because everything Cheers. I enjoy, I mean, they, no, they don't, they don't like, they could give a fuck about art, music, theater, dance. And I guess part of my job is to expose them to that. But most Americans could give a fuck about, you know, banned books in a library or records or and everything that we care about here in this show, most people don't care about. Yeah, I don't well, unless, it, unless it's something that personally affects them, then they get up in arms about it. Other than that, they can give a shit, which is sad. No, and I used to like the banned book column because it would know what I want to go to and read. Yeah. And some of them I don't yeah. get. I mean, there I get there the are, crazy, yeah. I get the crazy, like, extreme, you know, religious types, everything else. I can get some of the books, even though I don't. But some, why do they even want to ban the things? It's like nothing. They should have banned Ulysses before I read it, so I didn't suffer for three weeks. But that's the <laughs> thing. I chose to read it. <laughs> I, I think Chaz can speak to the Chaz, you're a librarian by trade, aren't you? 
Um, yeah, but you know what? I sort of took an early retirement of that. Um, that's a complicated, uh, nothing terrible happened, but, uh, I actually was, um, my best librarian job was a digital librarian down in Baltimore at the Loyola, uh, uh, college. And then, uh, I was there about, oh, 14 years. And then, um, they got a new director. I, I wasn't in as tight with the director and, uh, it wasn't bad, but it was like time to move on. And so I was a contract librarian in DC. And then, uh, then I wanted to get out of that because it was just a contract government contractor. And I didn't feel, I didn't feel secure. So I came up here and worked at a software company that, uh, caters to libraries and, uh, quickly, um, I lasted about three years. I, it was like programming. It was like actually software development. And I was like, mm, uh, I'm in, in too deep with this. And then I got a job at a, a little public library here. Uh, it wasn't really, I don't know. I, I was beginning to be, become not a really a great fit. It was a lot of like, um, like woke millennial stuff and nothing against that. It's just, that's just not me. So, uh, as a professional, so um, now I'm doing, um, working at an elementary school as a tech guy and a security guard. Wow. So that's my oh, little so career. It's sort uh, of like, like Fanny Farmer, like what they would say you would go in and they'd give you all the chocolate you want. So by two weeks, you were sick of it and never wanted to see it again. They're like, you go in and you see all those books. So you never want to read again. I um, don't, I don't know. I mean, uh, my 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 thing is 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 to do um information provision and uh make it efficient and uh you know web stuff and everything but there, in the public libraries it's really a, a lot of it's activism and uh god bless them i'm not against it it's just not my, one of my skill sets i'm more of a, t- a techie well so, i found uh, the one thing i saw like they had the one thing at the library about all like the top 20 books and i like read tons and i still read tons i the top 20 authors never read one thing by any of them. My tastes were a little different. Yeah. You know, we're reading like a Thomas Pynchon about that book where the guy gets the Woody whenever there's a bombing. Or something. That was uh, Gravity's Rainbow, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. I'm yeah actually, I like, I like right John now. Barth a lot. I like John yeah. Barth a lot. And the thing about John Barth, you either get him or you don't like the Sot Weed Factory because he's so over the top satirical. You either get him or you're like, what is this stuff? I got a copy of uh, Crying of Lot 49 sitting right next to me here, and I'm trying to, uh, I don't know if I have the patience to really, um, it's pension, to really uh, dig everything out of it, but <clears throat> fascinating guy. The, the, the theme of this book is like, it's kind of like communication theory, and he it was written in the 60s, but it was like a alternate, an alternate post office, and uh, people are putting... Uh, letters in the trash cans and they're really mailboxes if you're part of the secret society and it's kind of crazy it's crazy stuff but uh he's a, he's a difficult difficult guy yeah anybody, anybody read neil stevenson at all like i like snow crash the idea there's a guy it's like a future world dystopia g trope there where there's a guy delivering pizzas with a samurai sword because people are trying to attack him delivering the pizzas and everything yeah. i've never heard of him Never heard of Neil Stevenson. I'm sort of surprised. It's called Snow Crash, but he's like sort of one of these techno, odd, politically weird, undefinable characters. <laughs> but one thing we'll talk a little bit more levity because we've been going on this. How about you're? I love having you on, especially for. 
because not many guests we have on really have an interest in foreign movies, or at least we don't talk about them. What have you seen lately in terms of foreign films or going? Was that really? Uh, I, I've been watching the, this actor, this this Belgian actor, who's kind of like the Belgian. He's kind of our generation. And he's a mix of George C. Scott and Robin Williams. Maybe you guys have seen his films. Uh, Benoit Poulvard. He was in a film called Man Bites Dog in the nineties. Yeah. It came out, and, and he's and I saw that at the time. I'm sure you guys did too. But he's just such a character. And again, he has the charisma of a George C. Scott, Robin Williams. He's been, I've watched everything he's done, like shitty movies, funny movies. I would just recommend that, that you look at some of this guy's work because uh, I, I, I saw the film back in the day and it was very dark and black and a lot of his films have that black humor. So any film with Benoit Poulvert is, is worth seeing in my, in my view. Yeah, there's a lot of things we can't pull off in America because we can't get the way they do it. There's a series, a BBC series, One Foot in the Grave, there's no way they'd be able to do the combination of comedies and dark humor here and get it right. It would have to be more upbeat or, and I have a past, and I have Pasolini's life, uh, life cycle that I have to watch. It is the camera on Arabian nights and something else. Yeah. And I guess it's completely different from his dark stuff like Sodom, which is horrifying. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, 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 I uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure Chaz has had a, a, enough. I kind of still like glorify and valorize libraries just for, you know, the libraries were like the internet for our generation and not just sound like cranky old men, but just that freedom and, and the space that libraries provided. And um, I didn't realize in the last few years in public schools, they've been removing libraries because they say, what? well, you know, kids have these, they don't need them. And I thought it was just a poor school thing. It's not. Um, and it's, it's just a sad thing that, um, that, you know, we just don't really um i feel like we don't want kids to really think for themselves and um libraries provide that space i mean for for kids if you hate school which i still do even though i'm a teacher um your only your only time out is going to the bathroom the bathroom is like studio 54 in our school where you just want to get wow. the fuck out of the wow, classroom and it's sad and the library used to be that space where you could just be left the fuck alone and, you know, find a, a, a Richard Brodigan book, which is cool, or Charles Bukowski, because it's easy to read, you know, and, and they're just, the fuckers are like sealing that off from kids. And I, I think that's dangerous, you know, sorry. Yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, I went to Nazareth College, speaking of Rochester, and I uh, used to love to hang out in their library. And um, it was cool. And it wasn't, it was old fashioned. And then uh, I think, uh at one point, I saw, uh, you know, uh, uh, in some ways, librarianship is sort of a matriarchal thing. At least it's stereotyped that way. But I saw a male librarian, uh, you know, nerdy guy, and he looked happy. I'm like, hey, that might not be a bad gig to do. You know, you're not, you don't have, like, plaster falling in your, uh, on your head from working construction. It's fairly safe, uh, warm, you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Yeah. Good deal. Yeah, my, my brother, uh, Eric Gregory, is a librarian as well, and Portland has the, what, the second largest library system in America after New York, and both him and his partner are librarians. And um, it's mostly, it's a, like adult daycare. Sadly, um, you know, there's huge problems with uh, houseless people, as the, the PC phrase is, and 
you know, librarian, the library there is, is date, adult daycare, you know, I'm sure. It is. Know. And here in, here in Boston, they actually, uh, it's politicized by the way, but, uh, they have like Narcan in their desk drawers for, uh, yeah. times when they need it. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, one thing I really liked about our crazy days in DC was actually DuPont Circle and all the bookstores and going down and just going spending the day crashing through the bookstores. We miss Patrick McNee doing a signing of his book by a day. You know, Diana Rigg, bless her. She passed away and she's like, oh, Diana. But, but those were just great. You never, <laughs> you never knew what you could find there either. That was the fun part of the search where now you get off here go on to some used book site and i can get just about anything but then you never knew what you were going to uh find it i got a copy of the massacre of margarita there i got a whole bunch of other cool things you just see it wow they have it yay <laughs> yeah maybe maybe for kids what what's different for them is they're able to do this really deep dives into obscure things and they can pull up so much information and i think you know if you're 13 or 16 or whatever it's probably fascinating probably dangerous at the same time but Hey, that's why it's fascinating, right? Yeah, but the thing too is, I mean, maybe, I don't know if this happened with any of you, you can answer this, but like when we grew up with records and they were cheap, you know, you get them like, what, $1.99 a day? We would a lot mm -hmm. of times just, you rely on your friends, but a lot of times what we would do is, if it was a cool album cover, we'd try it. You never knew what you are going to get then sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I got an Atomic Rooster album because the cover was cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, I think kids are still finding stuff and I think, not to sound too much like a group of old men, but there's something like very resilient about the music of our era and the kids can hear it. I remember I had a 12 year old Dominican kid come up to me 12 years ago, Mr. Do you like the doors? You know, there's uh, just cool. something that's very lasting about people, humans playing music in real time together. And I think your brain can hear that. I mean, I hear a, a drum loop in my brain automatically just tunes it out. Cause like, there's no like interaction going on. So we do I have like that, a big, group of bands that I'm friends with here who are in their 30s, even in their 20s. And they're what I, I hate the word, but I'll use it old school. Yeah, they go for all the old music. They're like my friend Alex Cote. He could tell you everything like about Neil Young in the early 70s. They all have that influence to them. And it's maybe because if something's good, it's going to stay good. That's why, again, the Beatles are still all over the place now. Yeah, I, I think it's, Rob, it's something you're alluding to with your desire to do theater. We have something primal like being around the fire and seeing other people. We want that. We're mammals. We want to have that interaction. So whether it's live music or live theater, that's, I think, a basic human need, you know? Well, how do we find, like, a lot of our friends, how did, like, a certain percentage of my friends going to shows, you would see the same people and you felt like you were accepted because it wasn't going to, like, the the big Eagles cover band or the shows at the War Memorial. It was like, okay, somebody who dug, you'd see somebody with a T-shirt of, like, a local band Oh, I know them. I know them. And like anybody else, you walk around, you know, probably one out of a hundred would recognize it. You just like think there's like, we want to make connections. It's like our stuff immediately with Batman and comic books and stuff and the Avengers. Yeah. I, I know, I, you and, actually you know, rented rooms at Nazareth to watch Avengers uh, DVDs. I remember that to this day. Uh, no, you know, it's, it is funny. And I think the, I, the I, statute I think I limitations is up on that over. All right. I, I think I cursed too much in our, our last, last podcast, but if no, anyone you can under, curse all you want on here, we welcome it. If anyone under 60 is listening, you have no idea the social price we paid by being uh, sci-fi comic book geeks. No, you know, the big one for me, the big one for me, this was in grade school. Okay. So the grade school, 
they ask what the favorite television show was. So we go around the room. It's like happy days. There's some show, the San Pedro Beat Bunch. They get to me. What's your favorite show? Star Trek. And the group looked at me. Yeah, no, I mean, you, you would just, when, when I went to the early science fiction cons in Rochester in 1979, 1980, 81, you would not see anyone more beautiful than, you know, Fat Albert in a dress. I mean, it was just, there were no women whatsoever going to these things. And now it's, it's like cosplay city on Instagram. You know, we would have killed if, if there were cute girls doing this 40 years ago, you know. People probably still kill today. That's why they're serial killers. No, I was yellow and okay for you when you were growing up, and everybody can answer this if they want. I was like the big comic book collector. I was into the sci-fi, everything. I would say out of the people I went to school with, probably just me. I don't think you were not. You were not cool. We're talking the highest level of social ostracism possible. Yes. Yes. And I can The highest form of social ostracism was when they would say and see you afterwards. Go, oh, you were smart. That was like the biggest put down from like grades well, that they could ever give you. Not anymore. Not since uh, Bill Gates is like, you know, in every centerfold. But, uh, I, you know, I can, the nerds. Yeah. I, and I, I can, I, you know, I can pinpoint the exact moment where, where New wasn't cool is talking to my seventh grade art, art teacher who also liked building model uh, trucks. And the class was mostly girls and they completely mocked both of us. And I, I turned deeper shades of red and I thought if I'm ever going to have a girlfriend, I can't talk about you know um but again it's just it's it, it, nerd culture is dominant nerd culture took over you want to hear you want to hear my, my most embarrassing gender uh mix-up thing uh happened when i was about i think in like Baby, first grade. Go on. this is no this is only 30 seconds but uh one of my grandmothers died and she had the beautiful japanese silk uh jacket with like a little rope the buttons and stuff and it reminded me of Sergeant Pepper because they had those shiny silk uh, jackets on, and they were like it was like neon color too. And it was a woman's Japanese jacket, but I thought it was like Sergeant Pepper, man. So I thought I'm going to be cool today. I'm going to wear it to school. Well, uh, talk about getting slammed into your locker and getting a wedgie on the fence. I was I was praying for the day to end so I could go home. It was yeah. humiliating. That was my thing. It's like before then, I was like, oh, please, let that really cute comic book artist and writer exist for me. They have to be out there somewhere. And when we were younger, I don't think we ever thought of that, though. But who knows? But what have you been reading anything really from comics? Or you just sort of, I used to do graphic. I, I follow my one friend's books. Otherwise, I'm just sort of not into it that much. But Bob, you've been reading any new stuff? Oh, uh, I mean, I, I buy I buy comics all the time for my students. I, I did my I did a master's thesis on on the use of comics in the classroom. So I just kind of I look over my shoulder, and I got to say, the quality of artwork is ten times better than it was uh, when when I was sixteen. I mean, I partly it, too, it's because of the higher you know. My our, my friends said like people were complaining about price. It's like, look. We got to eat. We got to make a living. And it's, you're getting it's quality. I think maybe too, they use a lot more quality paper and stock too these days than they did before. Yeah, I, I think I mean, I, I try to get my students on Comixology, which is um, you pay a monthly flat fee and you have access to a lot of stuff. Uh, my students are really into manga. They, they typically um, ask me for the manga of existing anime series. And that's one way to hook, hook uh, kids on reading. Um, I'm 
too busy to to read the stuff myself, but I always it's on, weird. I always check in on the comic book sites to see what's going on, and it, it's it's fascinating to watch how this culture is just so ascendant. You know, I mean, you could not be more mainstream than say on a Tinder profile that you like Marvel movies. You know, it's yeah. pretty pretty much acceptable. Well, we've been actually we're probably going to do a show on the Batman when it comes out. We have to see it obviously first. Do you have any thoughts on that though? The new Batman movie. Any thoughts on it or not? Or you care? Bob, you're the guest. Yeah, you're the guest. Yeah. Oh, oh, Chance is a regular. I didn't know. Okay, wow. Yeah, he's like, yeah. well, you are too, sort of. You could join in and be a regular. <laughs> You've been on twice guest. now, so now you're I a regular. Haven't, I, haven't, I, haven't I haven't screwed know. up bad enough yet, so. Not yet. I don't know. I, I, yeah. I, I kind of, I got a, a Disney Plus subscription with my phone, and, and I don't know. I mean, they're kind of all kind of samey to me. I I, I uh, there was a team that made the Captain Marvel film who made an earlier film called Sugar that I've shown my students. It's a really beautiful film about uh, Dominican kids uh, playing baseball in the U.S. It was on HBO and the same team made Captain Marvel. So I had a high expectation for it. And it just it felt I don't know. They all feel kind of samey to me, to be honest. I mean, I mean you I, are I'm a Marvel, still, but you are also like a Marvel zombie. Like yeah, I mean, a Marvel you? fan. And, and it's just, you know, I. I'd love to see something really kind of interesting, but it just. I too think much... Secret Invasion. I'm holding out. I think Secret Invasion yeah. might be interesting. I think it really might be good. It's too much Deus Ex Machina, or however we pronounce it. That you know, just you know, you can blow a hole through shit. So you know, I don't know. I I, I tend to stick with um, you know my my French comedies or something like that. But well, I mean, I'm so still cool. curious. You know, you're still always 13 years old. So, you know, I look at it, um, you know, and I, Black Widow is always my favorite character. I'm not a big fan of Scarlett Johansson. And she's just like too short for the role. So that was a disappointment for me or whatever. But, you know, I mean, you keep, you, you know, you keep that 13 year old busy as well. You know, what was this movie? I love it. And I'm, I'm, I think I have Alzheimer's because I can't. It was about 10 years ago, and it was uh, kids as superheroes, and it was kind of really dark. What was that? It was kids. Well, there was New Mutants, but that was like a couple years ago. Uh, it was, it was, no. You're going to have to be more specific. <laughs> I, I know I, I know what you're talking about. It's like super violent, right? Oh, yeah. Kick-ass, wasn't it? Kick-ass. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kick yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a... Um, was Mark Miller, wasn't Mark it? Millar, Miller, Mark Millar. Mark Millar. Uh, he's yeah, to write violent stuff. And it's a, it was a, uh, yeah, it was his, it was a, like a limited series or graphic novel he did. And they did a, and there was a, they did a sequel to it, which I still haven't seen because it's it was I, not widely, it was not well received. Um, <laughs> and then it had the added, the added thing of, of Jim Carrey being in it, playing a, a you know, uh, a, a violent uh, guy who, 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 you know, shoots people and then uh, having a come to Jesus thing about guns and, and then kind of trashing the movie when he's supposed to be, uh, you know, doing publicity for it, which which I understood. But at the same time, it's like, dude, that's kind of shitting where you eat. <laughs> you know, it just... Well, I just know. saw Wonder Woman 1984, and I do agree with most people on that. I, oh, it was, it was a mess. It I was, yeah. And the thing is, but... You know, again, like, don't criticize, like, Patty Jenkins. And the, the Babe Ruth struck out before. Sometimes people, you can do a lot of good things. You just make one that drops the ball. Well, so that, just go from there. I mean, yeah, I, it's it's pretty widely, you know, uh, widely uh, uh, known that it just male directors can, can have to have, like, you know, five or six bombs before they get 
uh, written off. Female directors get one for the most part. <laughs> and then all of a sudden everybody's like, well, what? you know, she, she, that Rogue Squadron went away, you know, and just like, you know, mm. you can look at everything else she's done and say it's good, but you have one, one turd and all of a sudden it's over, you know, so it's just. One thing I think, Bob, probably you too, we owe a lot of like, for me, I owe a lot of the foreign movies to uh, the little, because ever since we were teenagers and stuff, that's where they would find these things and then go down and see them in the, the old art house movies and the Eastman too, as well. Yeah we're, we're, yeah, we're sounding like a bunch of old men, but it's really hard to understand what life was like before the internet. You had such limited access to stuff. And the Rundell Library was our internet. You know, I'd go down there to read uh, NME and Melody Maker and, and see what's going yeah. on. The information was at such a premium. I used to read Village Voice. I used to curl up with a Village Voice and read yeah. the, uh, the Christgau record reviews. Yeah, I loved yeah. That. Exactly. Yeah, the Village Voice as well. Peter Hamill and Nat Hentoff and what a quality paper that was throughout you know through the well, 80s. I used to go to Worldwide News was one of my havens every oh, Sunday. Yeah. They would take you to Worldwide yeah. News and I'd be getting all the the music yeah. magazines and my you know National Lampoons and Mads and heavy metals. Yeah. And all stuff. yeah. You know, it's yeah, still and it's, uh, it's a different yeah, world. Place. It's a different world. Um but what I think what you kind of alluded to is people still need community and kinds of community. So you know, record shops and comic shops, they had that function. And, uh, you know, I, my students, too, are they're preferring to have something tactile in front of them than reading from a screen, you know, but it does like, you know, beg the question. I mean, how much stuff do you need to buy? And I'm sure your houses are like like my place where, you know, it's getting a bit like my sarcophagus here. I, I just have stacks of unopened box sets and stuff. It's, you know, it's, it's like the, it's it's like the Adams family mansion here meets Lemmy's apartment over at the house at the moment. But yeah, it's it's sick. But it is. You're so right about community because I remember Empire Comics was probably the longest relationship I ever had because I was there for like 25 years. And even though you were used to like seasonally seeing different people, and it was awesome though. It was just yeah. like this weird little community. We could talk about all the stuff like we do on here. And Are they like, still around? Uh, he passed away about 10 years ago, and actually, yeah, they were fucking evil, man. That place was so <laughs> fucking expensive. Oh my god! I'm not going to argue with you on that one. I'm not going to argue. That was so fucking thing. evil. You had that in the house of guitars, and you're kind of scared of Armin, but you know, like we, we would never step into like Empire. You know, our friends created a circle, the Rebel Alliance. You know, at the same time, we tried to fight Empire. Yeah. They were just so fucking evil, man. But you Sorry, wrote, I had to somebody say. wrote no. Somebody wrote a review of it called it the Evil Empire, and I'm not going to disagree with that at all because like their back issues were insane. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. it's it's good, and I think comic collecting was a good preparation for record collecting because you got used to the whole kind of like culture and everything, so you're like ready to jump into records. Yeah. Even like foreign movies now, like actually there was something, it's not a foreign movie, but it's piqued my interest. I was at The Little, my friend Katie Mori played the other week. There's a movie called Strawberry Mansion, and I took a look at it. It looks interesting. I can't say much else about it. I don't know, but it looked like it was like, this is Terry Gilliam, isn't it? And it's not, but it just looks interesting. Look it up. You know anything about it? Anybody know anything about it? Were you dreaming this, or does it really exist? Yeah, I I looked it up. It's a movie called Strawberry Mansion. And it's like an, a I guy don't believe him. Like I think he was just like dreaming. an Alan Moore adult pedophile thing. <laughs> You're the best way with words of any guest we've ever had. What the, what the fuck, Rob? 
Uh, Pat, 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 Pat's gonna. Oh man, you're freaking everybody out, Bob. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little too bronze, good, man. It's always good. You stir things. Pat's, up. Pat's like, you know, you made the, you, you said the f word, and now you know, <laughs> I'm gonna disinvite you, man. PC police. No. I'm going to Ukraine. Done, like for, I mean, Pat does. Well, he's done theater. He'll probably be back in theater again. Ah, uh, yeah, we'll see. But you know, eventually. But what did, what are some of like your more memorable things you've done in theater? I know you've done like your little one man like stuff. I've been to years ago, but my mind's clogged out about it. Like in terms of like some of your shows you've done, or like some of your things you've done for theater, or like you, oh, yeah, you. Oh, oh, yeah. You're the, we did, you're um, the guest, damn it. <laughs> all right, we did we did two pieces in Portland. Portland has really easy logistics, like Rochester did, and I found. Putting on a, a rock theater piece is just slightly more complicated than doing a band. It's like organizing 10 people instead of three people. So we did something in 1993 or 94 called Marsha Tape Specialist. And it was kind of like temp work was new. It was kind of right before, what was that daily strip? Uh, Dilbert. It was before Dilbert came out, but it was the same kind of mentality where we had this like really radical lefty woman who was just so cut down by doing temp work that she just sells out in, in this really weird way and, and just is so happy to get full-time status with benefits. And we did a, a kind of a Rube Goldberg dystopic stage setup where we had on stage, we had 10 people and some of them were musicians and they were in a document because we were working, I was working at like a, uh, a lease claims kind of place at the same time. So we created this Rube Goldberg thing where we had um, documents coming out in tennis ball cans to represent, you know, the old like, air systems, you know, for tubes and stuff. And, oh, yeah. and there'd be an assembly line where people would rip the documents, stamp them, and then staple them back together and put them together. And um, we did that play uh, and, I, you know, wrote the songs and I co-wrote it with somebody. And then we did Larry. We, we I actually have Larry took... on cassette still. Like, I love it. Yeah, uh -oh, we, don't don't tell anyone. We, we did an homage to a friend who, for legal reasons, I can't tell you what his first name is. Basically, we inverted the, the concept of Tommy, and it was a little bit based on Janice Ian's short story of a, of a teen child prodigy folk singer. And we thought, like, what happens to brilliant children when they become mediocre adults? And so we, we kind of portrayed the story of this wonder kid social protest singer who like just sells out and goes completely hey, evil Bob, Bob i gotta <laughs> yeah. ask you uh uh and i gotta go pretty soon but i need rob to hook us up because yeah. we got we got some gossip we'll, we'll, we'll let dan just but, uh, stay for a minute we'll do all that yeah uh yeah uh, uh yeah I, i'll talk to you about what we talked one about one thing i'll say too is but, like uh, i've always said experience go on cheers what did you want to say I just want to ask Bob, uh, um, there was another guy who was friends with uh, some of these guys we're talking about who, uh, I don't know if he's still kicking, but he worked in a hotel and he was a T Mark Steve Bowen McAvoy? Steve McAvoy, thank you. That's all I wanted to know. Yeah. yeah. One, uh, thing I've always said, one thing, like we've talked about, I think the worst jobs I've ever had involved customer service. But I think a lot of people, they should get around, do like a temp job, do something, just so they have the empathy of how crappy some of them are. Yeah. Well, I'm still I'm still interested in, in theater and I'm, I'm trying to write something now. Uh, the Salzberger family owns the New York Times has a children's theater in Times Square and the coin dropped where, you know, before the pandemic, they have schools coming in and out. It's like, here's where the money is. So I, I've got this this idea. It's kind of a combination of Alice in Wonderland and Pink Floyd, the wall, because I, I think schools are really brutal and evil. And but what I've noticed is our children find ways to 
find love, be humane, despite what we do to them. So I'm going to write this they, really they, dark. They, they, they do. They grow out. They grow through the cracks in the concrete like little flowers. You know exactly. And, well, there and, you have an actor right here. If you ever want somebody with like you think Pat would fit in, you have somebody for a role. <laughs> Not really fit into anything, but you know. I know. I noticed Bob this. That, make, like, I guarantee you could make something for Pat perfectly, like something that would be perfect for him. You have that person. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's. Um, it's what it is. I write a lot. I write daily and theater is just one way to put like all your songs together. I mean, I write like conceptually like like this thing. And um, so, yeah, I, I intend to do more. And it was probably the greatest creative moment of my life. The two shows that we did, we did Larry and Marsha Tape Specialist. And I always intended to do more. But, um, you know, it's you kind of get sick because I don't know if Rochester's like this, but Portland is full of like passive aggressive people and you know you have like people like not showing up for the show who are in the show you know and you finally get sick of this shit and you're just yeah. like if i'm yeah gonna... no you might actually be good we're actually going to have a director who's going to have a her foreign film actually for it's called film called lapwing she's going to be on the show before it's released in america you might be good as a co-host for that because you bring that perspective Oh well, thanks. I, I'm flattered. Yeah, I will tell I'm you. Still... Obviously, she's in London, so we got to do the time difference. Yeah. All I can do is tell you when we get her on. And, I'm happy to be part of the circle jerk here. I think it, it's great. To <laughs> stay in touch, you know. It's and, and uh, whatever, whatever you guys want. Join the band. Like that's what I'm like becoming like Robin Hood. Join our merry men. Join our team. Join our team. <laughs> Everything yeah. else for better. But thanks, but uh, thanks a lot. We could probably go on. For, you taking your Viagra pills? <laughs> I am. I don't know what I'm going to be doing next. You've always been interesting. And You'll I'm be ready for it. You know, I've always I try, said since, I try my, really since, hard. My death last, since my death last year, I just say it too many times. I certainly appreciate everybody in life, and I'm glad we've been able to stay in touch through the decades. The women yeah, I work but, with say, uh, you know, you seem to put a lot of effort into trying to be interesting. So it's not oh, that, uh, that, is, that is the backhanded-ass compliment I've ever heard. It's a passive-aggressive world, bitches. <laughs> yeah, we're it's, it's <laughs> Put on that. Uh, skill that people talk to Pat briefly afterwards. If we can play a song, it's up to him. I do. He's the maestro. I, he, I, as long it. as I, as long as I can, as long as I have a file, I'll, I'll and and I and it, it is a it is a format that can be played on a computer. Then uh, you know, yeah, I, I can pop it on um, yeah, you know, oh, you could. Very uh, cool. so or if there's a place I can go, uh, uh, I can grab it, or however you want to do it. I can it. tell you. I can tell you where to go. Okay. Um, no, there's um. Yeah, uh, it's. Well, it's hey, let's do a plug, and while you're plugging, I will. I will. We'll we'll talk after the show's over. Just you just All tell right. us the album where we can get it. And yeah, uh, yeah, the album's called Enka. You could play a song called Genki. Have you guys ever heard the uh, the, the Japanese word Genki? It, it's how the Japanese people greet each other. On you it's know Spock, every day, man, you could do the Spock thing, cool. And and, and Genki just kind of means, are you vigorous? Are you energetic? No. You know, and and so oh, okay. it's this, it's oh Genki disc, are you are you energetic today? You know, and and that's like the first thing you hear in Japan. So I, I wrote a song about that, and it's just kind of this like cultish idea, of like yeah, I'm energetic because the Japanese love that kind of high enthusiasm. And then somebody, I paid some Nigerian five dollars on Fiverr to do a supercut of all these like Japanese prepubescent pedophile cartoons, like everybody like being like really excited and exotic. So this is a video podcast, right? Or, or, uh, it's, it's, it's all audio. It's all audio. Thank God. All right. 
So you can play Genki, and it has this like skanking Genki skank section at the end. Okay, but um, I do know I what that uh, means actually, because we have my one friend's in the ska band. He explained what skanking was. It was the dance. That's what they called it. So I know that. But very I, cool, I heavy, man. You'll have to come back soon. All right. I, I think I've been banned by Patrick, but it's it's. You crazy. have not been banned by me. That's what all <laughs> passive aggressive motherfuckers hey, say. <laughs> There might be some. Yeah, yeah. Stay on for a second, and then we tell me when we don't. Yes, um, all right. I'll connect with you, Chaz. I'll I'll talk with you on face crack in a second. Okay. All righty. Yeah, you know what? I gotta okay. I gotta do it a different way. I gotta go, but I uh, we gotta okay. trade some gossip. So I'll put uh, okay. Rob put us in. in touch with each other. Okay, right. for sure. Thank you guys. I'm glad you like doing this, man. We'll have you know. Okay, we have Hey, let's sign up. That. Let's do an official sign that. off because I never know when to stop this. So, all right. In in, in Japanese, uh, we've worked hard, haven't we? Let's get some of this stuff. Hey. Architects of Entropy, a collaborative world-building tabletop role-playing actual play podcast. In other words, my friends and I create exciting, weird worlds and then we play in them. 
Join us for our introductory story as we play Dungeons and Dragons in a homebrew high fantasy world populated with dwarves, elves, fairies, and anthropomorphic weasels. What's going to happen next? Uh, we have no idea. Join us and find out. Architects of Entropy, a podcast.